Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. Coming up on the programme this morning, we're going to be discussing home helps and hearing about that not all home helps are happy with their working hours and their working arrangements. Some home helps will have hours in the morning and then they'll have nothing during the day and then they'll have to do more uh, hours in the afternoon and they're not that happy with the fact that they're an hour previously they might have been allocated an hour to go in and spend with an elderly person and suddenly that's been reduced uh, to half an hour and they're not, they're just not that happy and seemingly there's a new contract and the HSC aren't agreeing to the contracts. So there's a bit of a dispute going on at, at, at the moment. I know one uh, group represented by one trade union, they've had a ballot and they're looking like they may even go down the route of industrial action. Now, industrial action, if you are dependent on a home help, the thought that your home help might be going out on strike will be very fearful to a lot of people. And we've been talking about home helps over the last uh, few weeks. I mean, I know we had West Cork Dáil Deputy uh, Michael Collins join us on the programme because he had been here from families who were trying to access home help hours and couldn't get it and were told there weren't home helps available and then he had been hearing this was in the West Cork region he'd been hearing from HSE hired home helps saying we're available for work and we're just not getting the hours and there's that theory that some people believe particularly some home help staff believe that it's like the home help want to have all of what they're called health care assistance isn't that what the home helps are called now that they want them all employed through the private contractors and get rid of all the HSE hired uh, home help staff now there's nothing to say that that's what the home help are doing but anecdotally some of the home help staff themselves feel that's that, that's the way it's going and then last week we had the Minister for Older People uh, Jim Daly announcing an additional 550 home care packages are going to be funded now this is all under the winter programme and you know we know that the HSC and the Department of Health are trying to combat the hospital overcrowding we always get overcrowding around Christmas and the new year so a plan goes in place every year for the winter plan as to what they can do and one of the things that they've earmarked is this 16 million euro for home care packages because we know there are delayed discharges there are people in hospital as we speak who are ready to go home there's no more that the hospital can do for them but because they don't have a step down facility or because they don't have a home care package in place they're able to they're ready to go home but they can only go home if there's a home care package put in place. So the idea is 550 extra home care uh, packages. So who will be providing the work for those home care packages? Will it be the HSE? 
home helps or will will instead will it be contracted out to the private uh, companies only time will tell so we're going to be talking about uh, home helps today on the programme and I would be interested in hearing from any of the um, home care assistants working for the HSE as to how they feel about their current working arrangements what's good about it what's bad about it and what can be done to improve it and I suppose what can be done to improve it both for the worker and for the client who is receiving the home care package. We're going to hear from a North Cork family who are desperately looking for a house to rent. The house they're currently renting, they have to move out of through no fault of their own. They have the references to say they're ideal tenants, but they're having a problem accessing a house. Now, this is not the first family we have dealt uh, with, but often... Uh, it sometimes happens that when we highlight the story, a landlord listening might just be listening at the right time and may have a property available that would be ideal for this family. And, and we may be able to put the two together, which, which would be terrific if we were able to get that would be a real success story out of the programme uh, today. We will speak with the carer of the year, Brenda O'Connell uh, Barry, who looks after her young son, Fionn, who I think is about four now. We've spoken with Brenda before on the programme and I was thrilled on Friday to hear that she was heading to Dublin as the Cork Carer of the Year. And then, of course, big gala event goes on where all the carers pick up their awards and they have the, they have the children who also pick up carers, care awards. There were some lovely, lovely stories came out of the, the Carers Awards on Friday. But then they at the actual award ceremony, they announced the overall winner. And the overall winner this year was Brenda O'Connell-Barry from Ballyhay, just outside of uh, Charleville. Uh, well, well deserved award I can tell you that so I look forward to speaking with Brenda on the programme today also looking forward to speaking with Mark Condren who's in, who is originally from uh, Castletown uh, Roach uh, Mark would have, I think he would have started his work as a photographer with the Corkman newspaper and then of course he moved to Dublin and he is the Irish independence uh, photographer and he's gone all over the world and he's picked up so many awards at this stage and he's just brought out a new book which is he got unbelievable access to the NYPD, the police force for New York City, the city that never sleeps. And uh, over a two year period, he was over and back spending time with the New York uh, PDs and he has taken the most amazing photographs and put them together into a huge book. It's, it's one of those books that boys will love. Boys of all ages, can I say, uh, will love. Certainly any of the men in my life that I've shown the book to and even here in the building when I say to any of the guys, you see this book that Mark Condor bought and you explain to them what it is. Oh, straight away they're in and they're engrossed looking at the photographs in them. They're just, it's, it's, it's gorgeous. It really is a beautiful, beautiful book and we'll speak with Mark about it uh, later on. And it is Monday, so Annalise Dressel of the Health Hub Times Square in Balancolic uh, will join us with some nutritional advice. So that and more on the programme as always your thoughts and comments welcomed This is the Cork Today replay on C103 Last Friday we had some calls in from people in the Ballyclaw area who were wondering why they had a water outage and we had got on to water.ie and the Irish Water Twitter account because normally they'll you know say if there's a break or burst pipe and they're fixing it and they'll give a rough time as to when it's due back on but we couldn't find any information out about Ballyclaw so we got on to Irish Water Direct and they came back to us to say that 
the Irish Water in partnership with Cork County Council carried out what's called step testing. Haven't come across this before. On the water supply system in Ballyclaw and step testing involves adjusting valves on the network to try to locate leaks. The leak was successfully located uh, on, this must have been, we must have got this on Saturday, so the leak was, was located on Friday at some stage in a housing estate in Ballyclaw uh, Village and at that stage on Saturday they were working on it and supply was due to be restored on Saturday evening so we're assuming Beverdean Bladdy Claw has now been uh, sorted out and there was talks about reduced pressure and all of that so that's the reason for it they had to do the step testing first they couldn't actually find the leak but they did find it so that has been sorted thank you for that here's an unusual one we've had a call in from a listener and obviously we're not going to give the house number out here uh, all we will say is that it was a house in the Cairn Woods area of Mallow they received an envelope that was pushed through the letterbox on sometime on Friday and when the person opened the envelope there was cash inside now we're not going to say how much cash was inside but what's written on the outside of the envelope was the name Matt Lynch There's nobody called Matt Lynch living at that house. And as far as they know, nobody ever called Matt Lynch lived at that house. Now, there's no indication as to where the money came from and no indication as to who Matt Lynch is. So the owner is assuming that perhaps there is a Karen Woods somewhere else in North Cork and that the person just got the address wrong and brought it to the wrong Karen Woods. That's what we're assuming or else they completely got the address wrong and they've delivered it to the wrong house. So we are looking for somebody called Matt Lynch who was expecting some money to come through the letterbox. Maybe it was payment for something, I don't know. Um, Or the person who perhaps put the money through the letterbox. They'll know where they put the money through the letterbox and also the amount. That's why we're not stating how much was uh, in it. Now we have, um, we'll hang on to, we have a telephone number of the lady who whose house the money went through and she's very honest she wants to get the money back to the person and in particular we want to get it to Matt Lynch because obviously it's Matt Lynch is owed this money for whatever reason so give us a call if you can throw any light on that or you may think you know who Matt Lynch is 1850-333-103 and on Friday on the programme we were talking about registered post now the reason it came up was one of our listeners was, was saying that they had sent money in the post and that it never arrived and for that reason sending money to a grandchild for Christmas uh, the listener went off and got the registered but it cost was it eight euro to get it registered and they thought it was tad expensive and felt that over the just even for the Christmas period would on post not come up with some kind of a scheme where they would do a reduced rate for registered post, maybe just for the month of December, so that when people are sending money, they would register it knowing that it would arrive safely, but that they would be more inclined to do it if it was slightly cheaper than it is at other times of the year. Well, that prompted Anita in Douglas to get on to us to say, be very careful when you are sending money in the post and registering it, because do you know, says our Anita, that even if you register it, the money is not covered. She knows all about this. Last year, she sent money in the post to America and she sent it by registered mail. It did not arrive. She was told by the Irish authorities that yes, they had it logged. In fact, it was registered. It had left the country. The Americans followed it up and eventually the card did arrive. But guess what? The card had been opened and the money 
was gone. She was told she should not have posted money, that it is never covered, even if it is registered. She was then told by uh, on post that the best way to send money is either by postal order or a money order, because at least if that goes missing, you have some kind of a paper trail and you can get the money back. But even to register it, so there's one I think a lot of people don't realise and it's probably one of the reasons why we're always told never, ever send money in the post. Even if it's registered, if it arrives or if it goes missing somewhere along the line, your, the money that's in the envelope is not covered. So you kind of stop and think, well, why, why, why do we send items registered? Now, I know legal documents are sent registered so that you can be guaranteed they're signed for and you know that they, that they arrived. But I think a lot of people will be taken aback by that and will have believed that by registering it, you're guaranteed that the money is going to arrive. And then if it's somewhere along the line, as in Anita's case, it left the country and somewhere between leaving Ireland and getting to the States, it's somehow the envelope with the card in it gets opened which is it was obviously a birthday card or something or a Christmas card and very disappointed then for the card to arrive and no money inside in it but then Anita thought well I'm okay I've paid for, I paid to have it registered I'll be able to claim it back and when she went to look into it was told no and then was told plain and simple you should never send money in the post 1850 and I suppose a cautionary tale for this time of year uh, with people deciding maybe to send money don't never send money in the post I suppose even if it, it's registered is the is the main advice send a cheque postal order or a money order 1850 333 103 let's take a break and we are back discussing home helps and why they're not currently happy with their working arrangements Court today with Breedhaven Nursing Home Mallow it's family run so your loved one will feel at home see breedhaven.ie C103 for a while now we have been hearing complaints from HSC hired home helps now known as healthcare assistants concerning their work hours and their contracts but they are um, and the work contracts that they're on Cork North West Dáil Deputy Michael Moynihan has been working on this issue and he joins me Good morning to you Michael Good morning uh, and, and you're welcome We've been getting complaints from all over the county so this is a, a county-wide issue What are you hearing from Home Helps or Healthcare Assistance? Well the Healthcare Assistance first of all I suppose we want to acknowledge the massive contribution they are making to society right across this country and particularly in Cork and in, in North Cork as well and uh, from personal experience I could not say enough about the healthcare assistance and the, the package in relation to how home help is delivered and the amount of work that they do on behalf of the state. And I think that we have to accept that they are, you know, they're undervalued because the work that they do is a keeping people in their own homes for as long as is humanly possible and is, sta- is saving the state quite a considerable amount of money in terms of long-term residential care and we have to put that you know on the plus side of what they are doing and we have to say look this is what they have been doing and you know I have to look back over the last you know not even since the recession but beyond before that there's always been an attempt by the HSE to reduce the number of home help hours to, you know, change the practices of home helps and how they're working. And it is as if, you know, there's there's some kind of um, thinking within the, the HSE that the home help system is not being delivered properly or something. And for all of us who are in touch with people on the ground every day of the week we understand that the home health system is working extremely extremely well and what I would be saying is that why is it that 
you know, there's challenges to how the home health is working. There are many issues that we could debate in relation to the health service. There's many issues in relation to top-down, from management, from everything else. But always there's, a, there's an issue in relation to home health. And I do think that it beholds us all to accept that the healthcare assistants or the home health people, the amount of work they are doing is second to none. Their dedication is second to none. And they become great friends uh, to the um, people to the clients or to the people that are receiving the home help and you know there's been a lot of changes in relation to you can't do this you can't do that you can't collect uh, you know finances or anything like that and there's all kinds of stays and I suppose you know making sure that everything is protected but overall we have to accept that the home health system has worked extremely extremely well and now they are changing the work practices and they're looking for uh, the home helps and the unions to buy into changes in the home help. From uh, what, what are those changes? Well, they're, they're talking about shift work. They're talking about, you know, the morning up to two o'clock and from two o'clock into the evening. And the question I have to ask the HSE, and like I ra- raised it in the doll a number of weeks ago, and I intend to raise it again this week. I want to find out from the HSE what is the thinking behind these changes? Why do you want these changes in place? What is the rationale? I mean, from my point of view as a public representative, and indeed, you know, what we want to do is to make sure that there is a... a, The people that are providing the home health, in my experience, are fantastic people. And why do they have to be dragged through a regular... It's only a couple of years ago that the unions were meeting, and I met them going back three or four years ago in terms of their condition of pay, their work, the the pay rate per hour, and they wanted to reduce the pay and all that kind of stuff. It's only three or four years since they were looking at that, and we met them at various centres around, around North Cork, and they were quite worried about their jobs. And, you know, anyone that I meet that's providing that they're practicing the home care assistance or the home help team they love their job and they build a relationship with the people now they want these work practices and there's also changes in terms of you know calculating the, the the drive time between clients and you know this quarter of an hour here and 20 minutes there for one person and all these changes in place and and i think that the hse have to accept that the quarter of an hour or the 20 minutes it's very hard to walk into an elderly person's home and spend a quarter of an hour there and effectively do something that is needful for that that elderly person so we have to be realistic and say, what do what is the HSE's game plan here? Like, is it reducing cost? Is it putting more streamlined systems in place for the, the home care assistance? Is it because that some people within the HSE believe that the home health team isn't regulated enough? I personally believe it is. And I personally believe that there's, you know, if you take any other facet of the HSE, you know, there's complaints all the time, but there are far less in relation to the home health teams than there's any other facet of the HSE. And what I will be asking this week is, why is what is the thinking behind these changes? Like, what are the HSE trying to do in, in my opinion, in, in, in a covert way, not being fully open with the, either with the unions or with the people that are practicing uh, the home care assistance that are doing the work on the ground? And it, it doesn't make sense to me because I see it as it is rolled out, like, you know, even this morning, uh, families that are, you know, have have made the decision to bring their loved ones who are high dependency uh, home, and that they are walking rotas to to keep them in their own homes, and they have a huge, um, you know, trying to get. 
a half an hour maybe in the afternoon or in the evening uh, to help with the rota with the family and that is sparing the state you know you know the cost of the well, well, well we're going to be speaking about carers because we've got the um, the overall carer of the year uh, on uh, later on in the programme and we know that the amount of money that's been saved by the state uh, through carers but we had the Minister for Older People uh, our own Jim Daly come out last week you know talk about the 550 home care packages funded for the winter plan and that more than 16 million has been earmarked uh, for home care packages so it does look like there's a lot of money well, uh, you know, it, it, we had a motion which was accepted by the Dáil in relation to home care packages, in relation to the care of the elderly and uh, the providing care in the home. And there's 550, and last Wednesday when I was speaking on it, I did say like that I would like to come, I, I would genuinely like to come to believe that over the next seven, eight or ten weeks that there will be 550 extra home care packages in place. The challenges that I see is that how they get them in place for for uh, patients or for people living in their own homes. And we come back and we take a look at this the 15th or 16th of January. And I would be very doubtful that all those home care packages will be rolled out in the next two months because it takes so much time to put them in place. And while the aspirations might be there and while the decisions might be there in relation to it, that's fine. But I don't think that there is genuinely enough resources being challenged uh, channeled into the home care packages or the home help teams and there is not enough respect being given to the people that are uh, practicing it and indeed for the families who are trying to provide care for their their own relatives in their own home. I have to say that some home helps uh, tell us that they fear the HSC is trying to phase out their own in favour of private operators. Well that is that is a fear that has come across my table with many of the home health people. They have asked me specifically, is there a case that they want to to, to phase the most? And in some instances where they are trying to put a package in place around a specific patient, you know, the HSC would have told people that, the, you know, that they should look for pri- to the private companies. But... You know, I I believe that's not to be the case because I, 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 I genuinely believe that if there was an attempt at phasing out the home help teams or the home care assistance out of this country at this point in time, I think there would be a national outcry because they, they are the glue that's keeping many families together in terms of care for, for a loved one, be they uh, whatever age they are, that they are they are the glue that's keeping the thing together and that they are sparing the resources. And like, go back onto the carers, like, I mean, if you look at what the carers are providing, and it, it was so evident on Friday night, you know, the challenges that that uh, Brenda who will be on with you later and would like to congratulate her sincerely and I know that the work she's doing is fantastic. But like, there is, I believe, and on the resource, like, we have to accept that we have challenges in terms of, you know, the uh, uh, beds and hospitals and getting people back into their own communities. But the best way of doing it is to have the maximum amount of uh, of the home help, uh, the home care assistance, the home help teams properly resourced. You know, there was a case there over the last four or five months where it was impossible to get extra home help hours because the resources weren't there. It was almost as of from the middle or the end of August that there was no help, home help hours available and that they, you know, they had written to 
families or patients and saying that they had approved them for four hours a week, five hours a week, three hours a week, but there weren't the resources there to give them or the manpower there at the moment. And those letters were sent to, to families uh, who were bringing their loved ones home from hospitals or from acute facilities to try and care for them at home. But so, obviously now with Jim Daly saying an extra 16 million has been earmarked for home care packages, I take it that's not the case anymore? Well, I, we are still encountering difficulties in terms of getting extra home health hours for patients. There is no question or doubt about that. But that money doesn't, it will probably start flowing, I sincerely hope. And I hope that the 16 million that he's talking about is for the back end of 2018 as well as for 2019. And I mean, we, we, you know, we, we, we can have, like, you know, and I, Jim Daly, he's, you know, he spoke very passionately in the doll in relation to the challenges that lay ahead in relation to it. But I do think that if we take it as of now, you know, the, the end of November 2018, we will be judged on how we are looking after our most vulnerable people, how we are looking after the sick and the elderly in their own homes, the young people, the siblings, or the, the, the children that need extra home help hours. And the challenges I see with it is that we there isn't enough home help hours in the system. They were saying that there was extra home help hours in a parliamentary question. I got in uh, in the earlier part of this year, it clearly showed there was a reduction in the home help hours in 2017, that we have to increase the number of home help hours. We have to make sure that those that are practicing as home uh, care assistants are given the best possible resources and not to be constantly challenged every two or three years in relation to, you know, their work practices, in relation to their pay, in relation to their terms and their conditions and I think that we have to accept that they have to be you know prioritised and this uh, 550 yeah, yeah but you can also see why I know some of the private companies Home Instead came out uh, only lately talking about they're having difficulty recruiting people to do the work well that would be my fear you know they they certainly have said that at, at different briefings that we have got uh, some of them have said that it's very difficult to get people to do the work and we have a very very willing group of people that are within the within the um, walking as home care assistants and why then are we changing the roster why then are we changing the work practices that they have and why then are we you know challenging them or making it you know is it how that they're going to be reduction in the actual weekly amount of money that they're going to get, that's not good enough because these people are providing a service for the state, they're being paid for it and their work practices should allow them to make a reasonable living from it every week and what is the theory behind it? And my fear is, Patricia, my fear is, sorry enough, my fear is that there is an underlying uh, attempt to reduce the cost or the amount of money that's going into the home health services and that is going to have a detrimental effect on on society as a whole not just you know specific cases Well it's false economy if we uh, we already know the numbers of delayed discharges because there wasn't enough home care packages to put in place to get people home so I mean if they continue to reduce the number of home help hours people are going to end up in acute beds and, and families are going to leave them there Incorrect Absolutely. All right, just a couple of comments in. Uh, Dee says, I know a lady that works as a home help. She comes in and only spends 10 minutes with the person, but she is paid, uh, she gets the same pay there. Is that not abusing the system? Well, if you think somebody's abusing the system, report her. Report the person is, is what I would say to you, Dee. While Mary and Mallow says, the HSC, all the money goes to managers. They sit at desks and decide that home helps can do the job in 30 minutes, which they physically can't do. Too much money is wasted on managers. 
instead of those working in the front line. And uh, Betty says, my mother simply would not survive without her home help. The home help comes in and actually stays longer than she's paid for. She is a remarkable woman. OK, we leave it there, uh, Michael. And I know I, it is... I, I think, I think maybe just one point, right? Yeah. The community care you know, right through from the GPs to the community nurses to the home health teams. They're doing a fantastic job in it. And we should be valuing them as a society. We should be valuing them more and more because that is the future. If we're going to have an expensive healthcare service, the more resources we have in the community, the better resource they are and less of this kind of not respecting what they are doing because that is the future for, uh, not alone for the, for the, the service, but also for the people that need this the, the, this care and assistance and the families that okay. need this care. Okay, and le- let me wrap it up with just one final text in that's uh, it's kind of a nice one for you. It says, hi, I have no interest at all in politics, but I must say Deputy Michael Moynihan comes across as a very pat- very kind, compassionate man, particularly when he's talking about the elderly. So on that positive note, we'll leave it, Michael. Thank, Thank you for you. that and uh, thanks uh, for joining us. That is uh, Cork Northwest uh, Joel Deputy Michael Moynihan, 1850 333103. And I've just spotted it a call that John Paul received from John in Beira and let me call this out because this sounds rather urgent and see if anybody can help us with this John in Beira has been on to say there are two calves stuck in a sea cave on the northern side of the Beira Peninsula he has tried to contact various animal welfare departments he says um, but no one can help he got onto the Gardaí he said they can't help. He also ran the Department of Agriculture and somebody at the, uh, at the Department of Agriculture said they would see if they could find out who owns the animals. But John's concern is that without anybody attempting to rescue them, these animals could, I, I, I assume they could drown if they're stuck in some kind of a sea cave. Uh, no, and he reckons it's going to require more than one, one person. Um, and he's contacted us to see would, do we know who we should be contacting or who we should be calling? If anybody can help us with that or point us in the direction of who we need to get on to. It's two calves stuck in a sea cave on the northern side of the Beira Peninsula. If anyone can help us with that, please, or help us to help John uh, rescue those animals, please do. We've often featured families on the programme who are in need of housing and facing the prospect of homelessness. My next guest uh, sadly is in just such a situation and Jason Ryan joins me in the hope that some landlord may be listening and uh, would be willing to rent a property to Jason and his family. Good morning to you, Jason. Morning, Patricia. No, I'm very well. You're in a property that you must vacate through no fault of your own and you do have references to say you and your family are, are great tenants. But you think you're coming up against a problem in that you feel landlords are not interested when they hear you're on the HAP scheme. Yeah, like... I like I've been on to landlords and I've been on to auctioneers like and every time I mention half I hear nothing. Nothing. I don't get a phone call back, nothing. No, I was on to one auctioneer and to be fair he was the only one who actually taught me. He said, Look Jason, to be honest, he said landlords don't want to do half because they're backdated and not they're not paid in advance. So if there's any delay in their payment, they won't take it because they probably need it for their mortgage repayment. Like, just explain to listeners how the HAP scheme works. Like, so you pay your contribution then to the council. Okay. They pay the landlord of, on every Wednesday, last Wednesday of every month. A, month, are, a monthly if payment. Your, if you're not paying your contribution, 
your landlord won't get their payment either. Yeah, that's that to me is the big problem with HAP. And yeah. that's, I think, what worries and spooks landlords. Like, because I, when I, I got the HAP forms today and I just read the information booklet, like, now, on paper, it seems to be very good for a landlord. As I, as I said, I'm not sure, I don't know, like, is it, is it benefiting the landlord the way it is on paper? Or is it not? Like, but I just can't get my head around, like, if it's, if it's that good on paper, why can't the, why in the land, there has to be some reason the landlords aren't taking it. Like. Why are landlords not jumping at it? I know we yeah. had one landlady last week when we mentioned something about HAP and uh, she says, too complicated, too time consuming, prefer to deal with somebody who almost said cash in hand, there you go, yeah. I'll, pay, I'll pay you every month. But that doesn't, that doesn't so- solve the problem uh, for you. How much, uh, how much are you entitled to under HAP? So um, how much can the rent go to for you? Nine fifty, and then you can get a twenty percent increase if you can show that you need it. Okay, and your family is made up of you, your partner. How many children? And three boys. Three boys. Yeah. So it's a three-bedroomed house. Three-bedroom house, yeah. And where do you want to rent, ideally? I'm in Drumahan at the moment. I've been here for the last seven years, like so. I don't want to leave my youngest fellas after starting school as well in September, like so. I'm scrambling and settled here, like just. Every time a house comes up here and I get on to the auctioneers, I hear nothing about it. Like, there's a house up for rent here in Ozil, and I've been on to the auctioneer numerous times last week and I haven't heard one word about it. And you're thinking it's because of HAP? It's because of the HAP. Like, I, I even stated in the emails because it's the only contact by email. I even rang after it was called to do by email. But, and, like, I even stated in the email, I said, like, I even go to the bottom, I, I said, of doing all the HAP work so you can get the landlords to fill in their pieces whatever they need to do and I'll do the rest I'll post it off and whatever even, I, even I'll, I'll do that like, just to get a house like I know and, and and there'll be no bother with you paying your contribution oh, as I said I'm private renting for the last seven years so there'll be no hassle at all with the contribution being paid like and you've always looked after the properties yeah always my, my reference from my last time not the landlord I mean no but the previous pre- the one that yeah, you like, were the longest in yeah yeah, like, yeah perfect reference from him like I gave back the house the way I got it and you're the stay at home dad and your partner goes to work yeah. isn't it yeah. yeah so there is income coming into the house so yeah yeah, yeah. My, my partner was working in another house for the last three years like so he's local as well like. and when when do you have to be out of the property you're in at the moment Jason well if, if I could get a house this week I'd be I've not in heavy to take so I'm ready to go yeah it's just I can't find anywhere. Like, there's a house up in Drumahan for rent and that's now, and I still can't get any. So we're looking for, it. if anybody knows of any property in, ideally, Drumahan. Drumahan, yeah. Uh, it'd be great to be to be sorted by Christmas, wouldn't it? I, I'm, like, I'm just, I'm just stressed now, and I'm, I'm sick of it at this stage, like, getting nowhere. Like, the councillor telling me, go, oh, look, your best option is HAP, because we want, we don't have anything for you at the moment, all this like I said I understand that but like you're telling me hat and I go into landlords and I'm going to auctioneers and I can't get nowhere and I need to get out of the house that I'm in and you're on the council housing list are I'm you? I'm on the list and everything yeah nothing nothing doing there though no no. I know there's houses coming up out this way but like you I, might... guess, I, I don't know how long I'll be waiting and if that if I, I'd be entitled to one of them didn't it really, like so. what age are the boys? Um, five seven and eight Oh God, they're young. They're young. Yeah. A busy, busy house with Santa Claus, then, isn't it? Yeah. I know. Yeah. Are they Are they picking up on your stress? 
yeah. Like, they know, they know that we don't want to be in this house, like. Like, even though where we are, it's ideal, the house is, if I could have a different house in the same location, I'd be happy, but... Yeah. Yeah, you're very happy in Drumahan. I, I love it out here. I yeah, love it it's a great, like, it's a lovely little village. It's a lovely yeah, little village. The boys are all settled, like, we've been here for the last six, seven years, like, so... Okay, when you put we we put the shout out. Let's see if anybody knows of a property in Drumahan for Jason. Who's to say we? I've seen the reference. He's got a really good reference. He's, he's going. He look. He guarantees. He look after the property. It'll be as good. It'll be if not better when you hand it back yeah. at the end. All right. Okay. Listen. Hang in there, Jason, and uh, okay, we have all your yeah. contact details and keep in contact with us as well. I will do. Okay. God bless. Thank God you. bless. It's. I mean, coming up to, with coming up to Christmas. I'm just thinking. You know, there was I stupidly wrapping all my presents and trying to get all organised for Christmas but when you have that kind of worry hanging over your head three small boys who probably have already written the letter to Santa Claus and the boys even unsure where they're going to be uh, for Christmas and whatever this is with the HAP scheme on paper Jason is right on paper the HAP scheme seems ideal because we had a problem before with the way rent uh, rent supplement or whatever it was called rent allowance was paid out it was paid to the person renting and then they weren't always passing it on and landlords were getting stung and there were months without having any payment made so the HAP scheme seemed the best way the money would be paid directly into the landlord's bank account but the sting in the tail I think for a lot of the landlords is that there's paperwork involved but the tenant must pay their contribution and if for whatever reason which is the smallest part of the HAP but if for whatever reason the tenant doesn't pay then the council don't pay and I've never quite worked out why why they agreed to that and why they think that makes HAP a better scheme than the way the old rent allowance was. 1850 if there's anybody out there uh, can help or knows of any property in the Drumahan area suitable for Jason and his little family. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Good news, good news, in that we have found the gentleman who the money in the envelope that got delivered to the wrong address in a housing estate in Mallow. We found the owner of that money. He actually lives in the same housing estate. It's just they were out by about 70 houses on the number on the envelope. So we have that sorted and we're arranging to get that. Uh, the lady is going to deliver that to the gentleman whose money it belongs to. Siobhan and Mallorang in to say, well, fair play to that lady who got that money in the post by mistake. Doesn't it go to prove that most people are decent and honest? Yeah. Yeah. And if you open up an envelope and inside in it is cash, um, you know, and, and you could no, it never came through my little box if you were a dishonest person. But she was very honest and, and went to great lengths and, and wanted to get it back to the rightful uh, owner. So well done. And that is a good news uh, story and in time for Christmas and all that. And I'm sure that the gentleman is delighted to have the money that was owed to him. Uh, he has it back, which is uh, uh, great. Uh, Martin has been on from Mallow to say he got uh, the the broadband scam, one of those calls during the rounds. But he said slightly different this time. And then when he picked up the phone, it was straight into a recorded uh, message. Somebody saying uh, that they, it was Emily 
from, I'm assuming from air. It's usually air is what they're saying. Anyway, it was a quarter message advising him to press one and press two and all this and, and he knew straight away not to because if you press one, you end up on a premium line. But Martin Amala said, let people know that those calls are doing the rounds in the Mallow area this morning. You have been warned. And in Middleton was on to say she spotted a beautiful nativity set in the window of Bandon Credit Union at the weekend. She said, absolutely great to see it and it brings back the real spirit of Christmas hopefully she says we'll see more of this across Cork City and uh, County so well done to everybody in Bandon Credit Union putting a crib and a nativity scene uh, in their window because yeah that certainly many years ago that would have been the norm. A lot of businesses would have done that, would have had, and households, if you had a window that was onto a street, you'd see a nativity set in the window. And, you know, you are right, Anne, in uh, Middleton. It does bring back the true spirit of what uh, Christmas is uh, all about. I wonder how many homes actually still put out, put, you actually use a crib. I suppose this goes back to how many people are still practising Catholics. Well, I know if we go to the census, they'll tell us the number of people who say they are Catholics, but the number of people who say they are Catholics and actually practising Catholics that I don't know. I mean, I know Mass at Christmas will be busier than it is. It's one of the few times across the year where priests will tell you that it's packed the rafters. It isn't like that for the rest of the year. So people still have a connection, obviously, with the Church at Christmas, which is good. They mightn't practice all year round, but they like to go to the church and they like to go to Mass on Christmas Day. But I wonder of those that do, of, you know, the ones who go to Mass, who don't go all year round, but make a point of going at Christmas time, do they still put up cribs in in their homes? I mean, how popular are cribs in, in their homes? We're already seeing, there's a lot of homes already are putting up Christmas decorations. Certainly Christmas decorations going up earlier is becoming more popular. Now the majority of people won't even think about Christmas decorations at least until we get into uh, December for some people halfway through December before the Christmas tree will come out. But for other people who've got a great love of Christmas, November they think it's plenty of time. <laughs> like the idea of putting up the Christmas decorations at uh, in November. But I don't know if the nativity scene and a crib is included in that. So I would be interested to hear from many people. Do you still, do you always put up a a crib at Christmas and is it very much, is it an important side of your Christmas tradition? I know when we speak with Alice Taylor at Christmas, the crib is so important and I love Alice as one of lighting the candle in the window. She puts a candle, doesn't she, in every window. That's another lovely tradition. And uh, certainly when I was growing up, uh, something that always I always think about with Christmas is a crib scene and a candle beside it in my neighbour's window. And she did it every year on at Christmas, on Christmas Eve. And it was left there into until after midnight. And it was to, she, she used to say it was to, to light the Holy Family on their way was the tradition to show them the way. And the candle was always burning brightly next to her uh, little crib. I mean, God bless her, she's long since gone. But um, it's something I always think about at Christmas. But as I say, I don't know how many others are still, still have a crib. And is it a tradition in your household to put up 
up a crib at Christmas and how many other businesses and in Middleton spotted one for abandoned credit union but I don't know how many other businesses actually do that have a nativity set that they put out and put in a window or put on display somewhere in the business in the lead up to Christmas. 1850 on the calves remember earlier on I mentioned that John Ambera was on the first to get on to us this morning and he's very worried about a pair of calves that he spotted in a sea cave and he says they need rescuing and he was looking for our help because he felt he was getting nowhere. Now lots of people were on. Somebody somebody was on to say contact the ISPCA but I think he did because he says the, well, the, the, the information I got in from John Paul was that he had contacted animal welfare departments. I don't know what he meant by animal welfare departments. I'm assuming animal welfare groups and charities. I'm assuming people like the ISPCA. But John Paul says a number of people have been on and the majority of calls are saying the advice is that, they, that he should contact the RNLI, the nearest lifeboat. Um, so we're getting back on to John just to try to get the exact location of the cave but the lifeboat maybe there is a lifeboat I, I, I don't know if, if that's something that the lifeboats will get involved in but we'll we'll keep you updated but thank you for people Heidi's been on saying for the, for the trapped animals the ISPCA they will get a rescue boat uh, to help them 1850 Can I stay with animals for this morning? Because Mary was on to say, Patricia, the issue of sulky racing. Yesterday I was going to Ballyhay. It was frightening to see sulky racing on the road between uh, Ballyhay and Charleville. Was that where it was? Ballyhay and Mallow. Ballyhay, it's good wide stretches along, along there, but they're wide enough stretches for cars. They're, they're, they never were designed for sulky racing. Anyway, Mary says there wasn't a guard to be seen and the messing that was going on with these people is absolutely uh, frightening. All the traffic was held up. Yeah, and I can understand why the traffic was held up. I certainly, hand on heart, no matter what kind of a rush or where I was going or what appointment I had to make, make, there isn't a hope in hell I would try to overtake two people that were involved in in sulky racing because I just, I would be fearful. Well, I'd be fearful for for the animal and what the animal might do, you know, that I might spook the animal as I was overtaking. So, yeah, I can understand why the traffic was uh, backed up. Um, and Mary saying not a guard to be seen. I wonder, did anybody ring the guards to say that the sulky racing was going on? I mean, and then if they did, did the guards did the guards get there and, and was it all done and dusted and, and finished with? 1850 Anybody watching the Late Late Show on Friday night? If you were... You may have heard this. What's the story behind that clip? Like, what? Listen, Come on, the story Shane. behind that clip. I've busted my <laughs> to get here. For you. <laughs> right? And you see that clip? You can shove her up your. <laughs> now that was that was Shane Lynch of uh, Boyzone. He was very unimpressed when Ryan Tuberty once again played that now infamous clip of Boyzone, and it was their debut. TV performance on the late late with Gay Byrne when they were dancing, not singing. Uh, it was not the night that Gay Byrne said, uh, "You can't dance, you can't sing, but you look good. You'll go far." I'm sure, I'm sure that was the night he said that. Anyway, and it's kind of it's it's that clip of Boyzone that will haunt them forever. I think it's about is it 25 years ago? Did somebody tell me 1993? Yeah, 25 years ago, since the band had their first uh, outing on the Late Late. So they were back on the Late Late. Well, four obviously there's only four of them left were on the Late Late on Shane, uh, Ronan, Keith and Mikey and they were all on the Late Late on Friday night to discuss their comeback 
tour and of course their comeback tour the, the lads and lasses of the Late Late Show says, sure, what will we do? Won't we show the clip again, the infamous clip from 1993, but it really did not go down well with Shane Lynch. Now, in his defence, when he said he went to great lengths, seemingly he'd got stuck in traffic. He'd missed two flights to coming from the UK to get to the filming. He arrived late, seemingly he ran in, had just arrived in time and was really not in a great space when Ryan decided to show the clip and then Ryan showed it and Shane, have a listen again. What's the story behind that clip? Like what? Listen, here's Come on, the story Shane. behind that clip. I've busted my <laughs> to get here from <laughs> <laughs> And you see that clip, you can shove her up your <laughs> Well, he did calm down after that. And I don't know whether the other boys were a little bit uncomfortable by his outburst, but he, they did stay on and or, and he did stay on and they did uh, love me for a reason. Anyway, a texter said, absolutely appalled at Shane Lynch's outburst on The Late Late. What ignorance. I also felt so sorry for the other members of the band, as they rightly said they'd done so well out of being on the show 25 years ago. What a horrible thing for Shane Lynch to do and uh, to say. Yeah, and they can be very thankful because that was the start, really, of their career. Now, I know they had to go on and fight fight really hard for the rest of their career, but it was their first TV uh, appearance. But it is one of those things that is going to haunt them forevermore. Anyway, would, did you watch it? Did you just laugh it off? Did you think, actually, he was just in a bad mood? Leave him alone. Are, are you with Shane Lynch that it's right after all these years and all the success that... Uh, Boys have had that RT for once and for all should just put that clip to bed and be done with it and stop bringing it out every time something happens with Boys Own or any time that they well they're back making their, a reunion tour should it just be put to bed for once and for all 1850 John Paul taking your calls text to WhatsApp 0862 103 103 C103 Jobs now, Oakland Nursing Home, they are in Churchtown South in Cloyne. They're looking for healthcare assistance and multitask attendance for housekeeping, laundry and kitchen. Part-time sales assistant is required for Knights Spa Express, that's in Mallow, while a registered staff nurse is wanted for a residential home in Dungorny. And a panel beater is wanted to work at Cavanaugh's in Charleville. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more this is C103 Court today with Breedhaven Nursing Home Mallow it's family run so your loved one will feel at home see breedhaven.ie C103 this year's carer of the year is one of our own and I was thrilled to hear that the overall award has gone to Ballyhay mother Brenda O'Connell Barry who was full time mum and uh, carer to her precious son Fionn and uh, Brenda uh, joins me. Good morning to you, Brenda. Good morning, Patricia. Uh, I'm very well. Congratulations uh, first. Are you still on a high? Oh, I can't believe it. Honest to God, it's it's like a dream. <laughs> now you won, you you had initially been chosen as the Cork Care Plus Carer of the Year, wasn't that? Wasn't, isn't that That's how it right. worked? That's so, right, yeah. So go, go, go back and start. Who nominated you and how did all that come about? Um, well, I know three ladies who nominated me, but um, I think there was more Patricia, um, a lady called Anita from Butterfield nominated me and Fionn's godmother, Laura, and a friend of mine, Geraldine, also nominated me. 
and thought no more of it. None of us thought any more of it, I think, until I got a phone call. I was on the way up to Temple Street with Fionn for an eye appointment and the phone rang and it was the lovely Peter Cox and he said, oh, I'm ringing to tell you that you've been awarded Cork's Carer of the Year. <laughs> and I said, what? <laughs> oh my God, I couldn't believe it. So, um, of course, I was honoured and delighted. And um, there was the um, award ceremony for that was in Cork in the Lord Mayor's Chambers. And actually, Fionn ended up in hospital, so it was a huge drama with that, Patricia. I had oh, a job no. to, you know, yeah, I had a job to get out and go to the ceremony, but I, I made it. Um, and and when and when did that happen? That was that was um, was it three weeks ago? Two three weeks, weeks ago. ago. Okay. Know, so yeah, your your head all ago, over yeah. the place that day, picking oh. up the award and running back to the hospital and yeah, do, and doing yeah and doing what you do well, which is which is caring. So then, what they did was they bring all the the regional winners from around the country go to Dublin. Isn't that what happens? That's it. Yeah, I think there was thirty one uh, carers in total, both in Dublin, uh, young carers and adult carers as well. And then when when do you discover you're the overall winner? Inside, um, you know, you sit down into the most beautiful banqueting hall and so glamorous and fabulous up there in the Western Hotel in Dublin. And they go through all the carers, you know, and you stand up and they tell you, they tell everyone a bit about every carer and what they do. And, you know, I thought to myself, some of these people have been caring for 20 and 30 years. There isn't a hope that I'm in with any chance of winning this. And the next thing this is, the winner is Brenda O'Connell Barry. And I nearly choked on the glass of water that I was drinking, I can tell you. <laughs> so, so you now know when you watch the Oscars, when they announce the overall winner, you'll now know yeah. what that feeling is like. Honest to God, I do. Yeah, I do. Oh, my God, my legs were trembling, walking up, you know, and I was sitting inside the back door, so I had to walk up through the whole room. <laughs> and I did, you know, I was trying to not burst into tears with the emotion of it. And it, oh, it was huge. It was just uh, a momentous occasion, I have to say. And a very, because I, I saw the photographs on, on Facebook and saw some of the film footage go up online. It's a very glamorous. I mean, oh. you look, can I just say, you looked stunning. Thank you so much. Um, I'll tell you, there was a lot of preening and glamorising <laughs> done for the occasion. I don't know how the young people of today cope going out at the weekends and things. I, You know, I haven't been to a function in a long, long time. And um, there was fake tan going on and lashes and every kind of a thing. So it was... Um, no, it was lovely. Do you know what? It was lovely. It was lovely. It was like escaping from everything just I for know. a few and hours. And then, of course, you ended up on the late late. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so I had to get two gunas, two separate um, outfits. Um, but, there, you know, it was lovely. Again, it was lovely. And it was lovely to meet Ryan Topperty. And we got to go into the green room, Laura and Geraldine and myself. And, you know, we were starstruck for the night. It was fabulous. Because boys on and everything were there. Yeah, they were, yeah, yeah, they were. And the boys from The Stunning yeah. and Pete and Peter O'Mahony, of course. The yeah. two girls were weak at the knees for Peter. <laughs> <laughs> and and on top of everything else, which is probably the most important thing uh, for carers, you got a night away, a nice night away, as well as like a little bit of yes. respite for you. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we, we were put up in a lovely hotel in Dublin and brought to and from um, the Late Late Show in a taxi. 
And then Fiona was at home, being well looked after by Daddy. By Daddy, yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely, yeah. So you yeah. made the call to say, did you? Sorry. Did you make the call to to tell them all you'd won the overall prize? Do you know, um, Laura and Geraldine had it done because I I had to go up and give an acceptance speech and I was talking for, for quite a while up on the, the podium with Marty and Mary and when I came down, I said, oh, I have to ring Trevor and tell him and the girls were like, oh, we told him, we told him. Great, him. great. Yeah, as you listen, yeah, he needed yeah. to be the first to hear it as, as, as yeah. quickly as possible yeah, uh, as well. Yeah. So how is Fionn doing? Um, Fionn, Fionn is up and down, Patricia. He's up and down. Um, as you know, he's suffered from this awful agitation and crying since he was born. Um, we've we've recently discovered the benefits of the CBD oil. Um, right. So if you've seen my, my Facebook and the Instagram campaign about it, you know, saying how um, his agitation has lessened so much since September. He's, he's on a new regime of it since September and the change in him is huge. We're getting, you know, his his cycles usually are nine days of screaming and they're kind of reduced now to two and three days only. You know, it's kind of, it's nearly half them. So it's just a huge change for Fiona and I'm fairly excited about it. I hope, you know, long may it last. Yeah, yeah. And you, how do you administer the CBD oil? Is it just drops? Drops, it's just yeah. drops into his mouth, Patricia. Yeah. But of course, we're facing every obstacle with that. The respite services, the schools, the hospitals aren't administering it. So, you know, I guess this year I got respite for the first time for Fionn. And every six weeks I'm supposed to get respite, but I'm not getting it because I have to go down there three times a day and administer the oil myself. So, so what's the point of the respite? Yeah, it's pretty... Um, it's it's pretty hard to stomach it, you know, the one medication that we've actually... And it's not a medication, the one that he's on is actually a food supplement, Patricia. The one supplement that I found to help this little boy, you know, everyone is frowning upon it and no one has any problem administering the other medications that he's on that have hideous side effects and aren't even licensed for use in kids. So, you know, it just it, it's bittersweet for us, it's... The sooner they legalise cannabis oil, the better. It's just, it's ridiculous. Oh. It's, oh, it's crazy. Like, there's so many cases like yours where it's proven this is yeah. making a difference. But just because there's some big pharma company can't make money out yeah. of it. Yeah, 100%. Oh, it's just, it's just. And, and, the, and, and even then when you say the agitation has gone from nine days, maybe down to three days, um, is, it, is, it, is the agitation as bad or is that even lessened? The, the intensity has lessened, definitely. Right. The intensity has lessened, yeah. Yeah, it absolutely has. Um, he's more alert. He's looking around more. Um, you know, we got at Halloween, we got to go to a pumpkin patch. Now, we've never gone out and done anything as a family. Would you believe that? He's four and we've never been able to. We've made plans and at the last minute, you know, he's agitated, he's crying, something's wrong, we can't go. You know, it was massive to, to be able to actually make a plan and say we're going here on such a day and to actually get out and get there and for Fionn to be alert and awake while we're there and enjoy himself. Isn't that incredible? Isn't that, yeah. that is yeah. just in, incredible. And your fundraising, uh, Brenda, I just think, you know, you do so much as a carer and at the back of it all, you've to constantly be thinking about fundraising and coming up with yeah. fundraising ideas. Yeah. That, yeah. I mean, God, you need that like a hole in the head. You did, When I initially yeah. spoke to you, you were doing the fundraising um, back a few years ago to extend the house. You've, is, is, that, yeah. is all that work now done? 
Well, it's the extension is is built, but okay. you know it's it's not finished internally completely. You know, there's lots of little things, but we can live in it, Patricia. You Great. know, it's lovely. Um, we have so much space. We've big rooms. You know, we went we went big when we were going because that was the advice we got from the other moms. And you know, there's no point putting something too small and having to put an extension onto the extension yeah. again in two years' yeah. time. So we have just beautiful space all his chairs they fit into every room they go through all the doors uh we have a bedroom alongside fion's bedroom and west room you know we have one big storage room for his medical um syringes you know extension sets his medication all his food i've separate fridge for fion's organic food you know we just have a place for everything patricia and it's it's made a huge difference in the quality of all our lives and that was all down to fundraising? Well, unfortunately, we did have to get quite a substantial loan as well, Patricia. Did you get any um, grant? Uh, we got a small grant, but like anything else, I had to fight tooth and nail. I We were refused. We were over the threshold. This is this is a huge thing you know, <sighs> that really annoys me. Um, yes, Trevor is working, but I'm not working. And Trevor does have a good job, but... We have huge outgoings. You know, they don't take into account your mortgage. They don't take any of this into account. They just, if you're earning any bit of money at all, you're not entitled to the grant. I mean, we didn't set out um, five years ago and put aside 100,000 for an extension that we might have to do to our house because our son has a life-limiting condition, Patricia. You know, no family with a sick child knows that this is coming. Nobody has that kind of money put aside you know, to to make no it one can prepare for it. This. Yeah, no, no one, no, no one can no, prepare. For it. No, and all, and nothing, also, yeah. we go back again to if uh, you're you're you and Trevor are fantastic mum and dad, and you just want the very best for Fionn. But if you weren't able to do it, and Fionn ended up in full time residential care, by God, yeah. it would cost the state. Home, absolutely. Like we're in a position now where he's getting heavier, and we need the ceiling track hoist. And we'd love to put in a bath for him. Do you know the special baths that, that go up and down? They're called a high-low bath. But they're about 15 grand, 10 to 15 grand. And the hoist is about the same. And we're over the threshold for the grant for the hoist, Patricia. Um, but we're just expected to have 20,000 there waiting to, to do it. You know, it's oh, it's devastating. It's You know, everything, every obstacle is put up against you. And every grant and every bit of money that you might possibly get, the rigmarole that's involved in applying for it and actually getting it is is, is made so difficult that I'd say 80% of parents give up yeah. because, yeah. you know, 99% of our time is spent caring for these kids who are crying, who are in hospital, who are sick. We don't have time to be filling out 25 forms, going to this one and that one and getting them stamped and filled in and posting it off and then they send them back to you that you've left out something or you didn't tick this box. Do you know now, Patricia, is you, you have enough to be doing. You have enough to be doing. Absolutely, 100%, yeah. Okay, and um, and Fionn at the moment is in good form, is he? Is he good today? He is good today, thank yeah. God. And he slept all night last night. Great. And, you know, he's he's actually off two of his medications as a result of this CBT oil, Patricia. He was on a medication called amitriptyline, uh, which is usually just used in adults. I know a lot of your listeners now will say, oh, amitriptyline, I've heard of that. Um 
and he's been able to come off that. That was to help him to stay asleep during the night because, of course, he wasn't sleeping at all day or night. And also the chloral hydrate, which is a really, really strong sedative that he was on, that he was getting every night of the week to just allow him to get maybe two hours sleep. And we stopped it and he's only had to get it on those really agitated days and they're even less frequent. So the changes are huge. And it's allowing, it almost like, it sounds like it's allowing him to be a little boy. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Watches little programmes on television Does and, it? you know, just not be screaming all the time because it's it's just, it's, it's so destroying to watch it and to listen to it and not to be able to help him. That's the worst of all. And of course, you've no way of knowing with that agitation if it's if it's pain. Do you, have you any way of... Well, well I, I would say 100% that it is pain because, you know, there are the days that he's good. He's so good, you know. It has to be some kind of pain, like cerebral agitation, that's, yeah. you know, in in his brain. God help because him. he shakes, yeah, he shakes. God help his head him. And, he and, and, and somebody's saying, what's the what's the condition that um, um, Fionn has? It's because did I read? There's only nine in the world. Yeah, I think there's there's eight other kids, and they're mostly in Canada and the USA. And, like, it's so rare. It's, the gene itself has only been discovered to cause any problems in the end of 2017. So, like, we don't know anything about it yet. We don't know, is it 100% to blame for the way he is? It might not be. Every child is so different that I, you know, I'm in touch with them on Facebook and through um, emailing. We're in touch. And, you know, we're always saying, does your child do this? Does your child do that? I know, and, I know. Trying to do, compare do, notes. Do, yeah, yeah. And see, does anyone have anything? that might work or you know for little pro- the problems that they do have yeah and yeah. he is your one and only oh my one and only you know yeah. the, he's the light of our lives that child you know we love him so much and we just we want to do anything that we can to help him well you're, you're doing it already you're, 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 you're an incredible mother and Trevor Trevor's an incredible dad and you are well deserved uh, carer of the year I, I was so so I had the biggest smile when I got the news that you had been announced as overall uh, carer so uh, well done a pleasure as always to talk to you uh, Brenda I know we'll talk again uh, but in the meantime thank you for that and, and thanks thank for joining us Thank you so much Patricia take Good care Good morning to you bye 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 Brenda O'Connell uh, Barry the official carer of the year for 2018 and it is so so well deserved 1850 you god you don't know how tough people have a day until you listen to uh, to Brendan like that my god what her day can be like now you know today's a good day because he's Fionn's in good form but then if the agitation starts and to hear a child screaming and you could do nothing for him and yet here we go again CBD oil is working and the powers that be say no uh, when when are they ever ever going to get um, get that sorted? Uh, Eighteen fifty three 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 one zero three. John Paul, take your calls, text or WhatsApp oh eight six two one zero three one zero three. Court today with Breedhaven Nursing Home Mallow. It's family run, so your loved one will feel at home. See Breedhaven.ie. C one zero three behind the scenes coverage of the New York Police Department in action have been recorded in a new book by Irish Independent award-winning photographer Mark Condren, a native of Castletown Roach. Mark Condren joins me to discuss his new book, which is simply entitled NYPD. Good morning to you, Mark. Morning, Patricia. Um, it's an incredible collection of uh, photos from the city that uh, never sleeps. It's huge. It's a great big, heavy book, I have to say. When it landed on my desk and I picked it up going, whoa, what's in this? Yeah. Um, tell me how it came about. 
Ah, oh, thanks, Patricia. Yeah, it's great to hear stuff back like that. Um, before I go on, can I just say, by the way, uh, congratulations to Brenda. I just caught the very tail end of the uh, your last story. And yeah. Best look to, to Fionn. Um, nine in the world, incredible stuff. Poor old devil. Um, hopefully they'll be able to get that bat. Um, yeah. It's very sad. But anyway, if they're, if they're under pressure like that. But uh, yeah, the whole thing started back in, I suppose, really, it's a bit of history, first of all. It's the first time ever the NYPD have left the photographer in with them, which is incredible. And it all started back in, I suppose, the village of Castletown Roach when I, when my father told me he was retiring and I asked him, he was a sergeant there for 37 years, I asked him, could I head out and do a few pictures with the locals around Castletown Roach? And off we went and I had these beautiful photographs of him, the local people, a few pictures of my son Ben with him, stuck in a laptop and I was there, oh God, I have to do something with these. So I got in contact with the Garda Commissioner at the time uh, Fockton Murphy, um, he gave me permission to go out and do the book. Done a book on the guards, sold out in two weeks. Uh, two years, forward uh, on the clock, two years on, I met the commissioner of the NYPD, James O'Neill. I presented him with the guard a book, and he turned around the first thing and said, we have to do one of these on the NYPD. And that's Whoa. really how, that's how it all kicked off. So and, then, and, really, and, you, yeah. and you took the photographs, it's over a two-year period, wasn't it? Yeah, I went over and back. So obviously I have my job in the Irish Independence, so I keep that going, and family obviously as well. So what I've done is I dipped over and dipped back. So I've done all the seasons over the two years, um, and dipping in and dipping out, I'd made about 16 trips altogether over and back, maybe a week to 10 days, sometimes more, depending on what was on at the time. And literally, they gave you access all areas? Yeah, access all areas, yeah. Yeah, as much as I could do. Um, obviously, um, time constraints and the, the sheer size of them, Patricia, they're absolutely massive. Like, I couldn't describe how big they are. They're just such a big police force. How many photographs did you end up taking in total? How, how, <laughs> absolutely thousands. I'd be afraid to even look. Yeah. <laughs> thousands, yeah, so... We just whittled them down as uh, uh, picture editors and Jerry Kennelly down in Kerry, Kenneth O'Halloran up here, all good lads, and they they kind of done all the they done all the dirty work as they say. Yeah, that's not easy to decide what you're going to put in and what you're not going to put in. No, no, and, and especially for a photographer harder again because what happens is when I'm at a job or even doing the book over there, I might because I'm in a situation and I might fall in love with a photograph and think it's a brilliant photograph, whereas to the eye of people might think it's a crap photograph. It's just because I was there. At that situation, doesn't yeah. mean it's going to be a great photograph. Yeah, so, you, you you know yeah. what happened before and after. Whereas yeah, everybody exactly. else, yeah. Did you ever feel in danger when you were out with the police force? Not really. Not really. No, I never. No, I was asked that question before. Actually, I never felt um, in danger. But you'd obviously you'd be you'd be I suppose anxious more than danger. I'd be, I'd be first of all, I'd be used to it. Um, and the nature of my job, first of all. Second of all, after doing the guard book, and third of all, you know, like you're well protected, obviously, with them around you. Um, I never felt in danger. Like I definitely felt anxious at times, where like you're going to gun calls, stabbings, just big crowds. Because like you must remember, my camera and myself, I can make it more dangerous for them. If I hopped out of a car, and I suppose going back, this is one of the reasons why the trust was there. Like they're not going to let anybody out with them because I know that I know the way the guards work. I know the way the police work. I know how to deal with it. If I jumped out of a cop car into a situation of a stabbing or a brawl or whatever it may be, and I started taking photographs and, and, and a flash going off, that could, that, that could escalate at worse. Yeah. And I'm going to put all the cops in danger with that. So, no, I, I, you have to be very careful as well with it. But it, did I feel in danger? Not really. No. A, few, a few times, like, it, it, like, coming to the stabbings and shootings, obviously, is dangerous. But you're well protected with them. 
and it would be more of an anxious thing, like a bit of an, a nervous thing, more than dangerous. And I love the fact that you've shown the lighter side of the police yeah. work. I mean, that photograph of the children with the fire hydrant and the sprinkler, mm. and you can almost feel the heat of a really warm July summer's day in, in the Bronx. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Again, going back to doing all the seasons, trying to cover all them, all the kids. So what they do is they go around the community policing and the, and the, and the uh, fire brigade, they go around the open. It's so warm over there, obviously. They just open the hydrants and the kids have a great time and they cut excuse me, and the police go, the cops go around playing with them and, and stuff like that. But it, it's a book, Patricia, as you can see through it, right? It's a book that I want the likes of my sons and daughters to be able to pick up and show people. And then of all, of all age groups can pick it up and show, and show it off the way the police work. There's, there's a time and place and there's publications and times and place for, for kind of gruesome stuff or whatever it may be. The book is not about that. No. It's a nice coffee table book and it sits beautifully with the Garda book. They're, like, if you see them side by side, they're absolutely gorgeous. And that's the type of book it is. It's, it's, it's a book that a five-year-old could pick up or an 80, 90-year-old or 50-year-old, whatever it may be, can pick it up. Uh, anyone I've shown it to, the boys all love it. <laughs> Great. Yeah, they, yeah, uh, and, and then, funny enough, the girl, any females that picked it up, it's New York. They're going, oh, I remember yeah. going shopping there. You know, so, yeah. Um, yeah. I, I love the one, I, the one that you took. It's in, it's in the inside of a public restroom with all the graffiti on the graffiti. wall. And, and I have to say, that poor policeman trying to wash his face in that, yeah. in that sink. Yeah, that was coming from a, a burglary call in a building site down in Chinatown. I spent a good bit of time down in Chinatown, actually. I just found it very interesting, and it always just came up good for photographs. Um, what I used to do, Patricia, is, is most of the time is a thing called chase the radio, okay? So, obviously, I would have head out, I'd head out in the, in the cop cars and stuff like that and go around, but I'd have my own cop car. Well, obviously, not me driving it. I'd have a driver there. And what we'd do is we'd have a local radio, and, and for me, there would be the national radio in the glove compartment. So you, uh, the the radio would cover the whole of all of the of Manhattan and cover all the different areas. So all the big calls would come to that, and then all the local calls would come into the radio. So instead of me going into a cop car, going to something in a, an apartment block, and I'm stuck there for three hours with them. Time is the essence, obviously. So what I do is I go in, we pick the best call, and we'd go to the best call. Then wherever we are, yeah, and off we go. So at least it was faster. It sped up the whole process, and then as well as that, obviously. You'd have to tick the boxes with stuff. You look through the book. Through the book, you'd have the, uh, the helicopters. You'd have the water units. So they'd all take time to head out of it and stuff like that. I remember one night, I have to tell you a quick story. We were going to a gun call. I think it was out near the Bronx. And next thing I, I heard coming over the national radio, there's a beehive in Manhattan, and there's a load of calls coming in for us. And I was there, a beehive. I was there. How do you deal with that? He said, "We have a beehive unit." And I said to James, the driver, I said get on the lights and let go. So we bombed it back into the middle of Manhattan to do the beehive and you probably saw that. In the I book. did, yeah. Yeah, yeah. it's incredible. They have a unit for everything. Yeah. <laughs> and and of course, they, they don't forget their own and the, the ones who uh, gave the greatest sacrifice in the line of duty. There's a fabulous yeah. double photograph where it's all of the names of the NYPD officers uh, who, who died. And actually, if you look, if you zoom in on, uh, there's so many Irish names when I was looking there, in on them. It's yeah. just... The, uh, the Irish and the link to the police force in the States, particularly New York, is very strong. It's massive. Yeah. It's absolutely huge. The whole book started off that way, actually. The whole idea and the whole pitch at the time was to, to Commissioner, can I go in and do the Irish side of it? And next thing, that was fine. We started off with that. And um, he turned around in the middle of it then. He saw, he saw the way it was going and he was there. Look, 
it was there. Can we expand this? This needs to be the whole of the NYPD. Keep going. So that yeah, keep going. They must be up. thrilled with the with the way it's turned out. They are. They're absolutely delighted. Like the commissioner doesn't roll out and and do a foreword for a book a book uh, any every day. No. It's a very rare commissioner of a big police force will do that. And they've branded it now. So basically, the NYPD alone, Patricia, you can't use the name NYPD. It's 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 copyrighted. So after 9-11 happened, everyone started making hats, T-shirts, and all this on the NYPD. So the city bought the, the name, the NYPD, and you cannot use that. So obviously, they've got permission for me to do that, which is another big thing. And the uh, foundation, the NYPD foundation came on board behind that and backed it all the way. So it's a big, it's a big, it's a big, it's a big thing. Well, it's a, it's a fabulous book. Where is yeah. it available from? Where can people it's buy? It's going to be obviously. I've only brought back select amount of books to Ireland because it's it's obviously the market and it's their book over there. But yeah. obviously there is there is because of the guards book and over here there is a following for that. So I brought back X amount of books to uh, Ireland, which you can get it in selected bookstores. It should be hitting the bookstores today or tomorrow, but. It's only select bookstores, and you can also get on on Mark Condren, uh, M-A-R-K-C-O-N-D-R-E-N, dot com, and it'll be posted to you uh, within a day um, of that. There's a a crowd that do all that. Well, it'll make a fabulous Christmas present, I'll tell you that, because it's it's a great big heavy book. I'll remind people of that again. It it is gorgeous. I loved it from start to finish. Uh, You are gifted at what what you do, and long may that continue, uh, Mark. And thank you for taking time out to join us today. Thanks, as always. I love being on the show. Thanks for having me. Thanks a million. Good morning to you. Bye bye. That is uh, Mark Condren, originally from uh, Castletown Roche, one of our own, uh, but uh, well known and well recognised photographer, NYPD, behind the scenes with the men and women of the New York City Police Department. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. You're listening to Cork Today on replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Hi to Frida and Brendan Conway in Ballyvalan and they are regular listeners to C103 and they very kindly dropped in a box of Quality Street I think there uh, some chocolates for us here at the radio station to wish us happy Christmas and that's the first box of chocolates we've received this year and they're always well received so thank you to Frida and Brendan Conway in Ballyvalan very kind of you to think of us and we hope you have a wonderful Christmas as well on the calves stuck in the sea cave and John contacting us uh, down in Beira and could we get it sorted and what's going on and then lots of people on saying any update on those calves uh, somebody says I've been worried about it and thinking about them all morning we've spoken to John the Gardaí are now involved there's help we're told on the way don't know what form the help is uh, but we're linking in with John because John knows the exact location of where these calves are don't know if we're going to get an update on their safety by the close of the programme today but fingers crossed we do but if not we'll certainly bring it to you uh, tomorrow but the guard that you're involved helps on the way and that should get sorted please God it'll all get sorted and they will be fine and we'll find out who owns the calves and get them back uh, safe a uh, lot of people saying well done to Mark Condren on his new book including uh, Trisha D who used to work with Mark in the Corkman's let say hi to Mark he's unfortunately gone off the line when I saw your message uh, Trish and hi to you as well um, Mar- Maureen in Newmarket says uh, I'd love to get one of those books please it would make a wonderful Christmas present it would indeed markcondren.com now Mark did say there will be a limited number available in good bookshops as they say if you check with your local bookshop they may have one in they may be able to get one in but failing that go on to his website Mark Condren his surname is spelled C-O-N-D-R-E-N Mark Condren 
Uh, com, and you can certainly purchase the books that way as well because obviously this is a book that's designed for the New York market so he's just bought home a limited amount of them but it's, it is just it, it is one of the you know those great big coffee table books they make lovely Christmas presents I have to say and I challenge anyone to sit at a coffee table and have this book that you won't be sitting there flicking through it it's just I literally spent the weekend I mean I initially got the book and went through all of the photographs and then I spent the weekend and every time I passed the book I look at another picture and I love photography books because there's a story behind each and every one of them and in my own mind's eye I'm imagining the story what happened before during and after the particular photograph was taken stunning 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 book and Mark Condon one of our own from as I say from Castletown Roche such a lovely guy as well um, so we wish Mark well with the book and also lovely to see some really nice texts and comments coming in wanting to wish uh, Brenda and congratulate Brenda on becoming Carer of the Year and how proud so many people are. Let me bring you some, this is just some of the commentary, a lot of people very inspired inspired listening to Brenda because she's such an inspirational woman and I think it's always great when we get, you know, when they do awards like this for Carer of the Year because the majority of carers you, they never get to tell their story you never get to see or hear what's going on behind closed doors the majority of caring is done quietly and it's hidden from the public because of the nature of what carers do. You know, they're looking after their loved ones. They're not able to get out. They're not able to, you know, protest to the doll to say that they want better terms and conditions. And even when there are protests on, I'm always saying, let's not forget the carers. They can't leave the person that they're caring for. Respite is so thin on the ground uh, and how important respite is. And even to hear... Uh, Brenda is saying that she's managed to get a little bit of respite which will be good for Fiona but good for her and Trevor as well for them to be a normal couple for whatever it is a weekend every six weeks I think, think she says but now because the CBD oil is working she's got to go to the respite house and administer it three times a day that's not respite that's not giving the girl any kind of a break at all anyway let me just give you some of the comments that, that have come in. Micah says, Patricia, it's so hard to listen to that wonderful carer, Brenda, speaking to you. I totally agree with her, though, that the hoops you have to go through to get home adaptation grants, etc., are just truly ridiculous, having been there with my late mother. I do think they put all of the obstacles in the way in the hope that you will simply walk away. Some of the officials are so difficult to deal with and with no understanding of the pressure the carers are under. I do think they go out of their way to make it more difficult to get anything. My sincere congratulations to Brenda on winning the award. It is so well deserved, says uh, Michael. And actually, when Brenda was talking about when I asked her, did she manage to get any grants? And she said just a small one, but the other one, the one she needs now to get the special lift and to get that special bath. They're outside of the limit of, so they're not entitled to. I actually remember when when we adopted Marsha and we initially thought about, and obviously a deafblind child in a, in a two-storey house wasn't ideal. And we initially thought about, would we move? Would I move to a bungalow? And we did. And then that didn't work out. And then we were very happy where we were living. We were saying, well, why don't we build on what we need for her? You know, and the main thing being a downstairs toilet and shower room for her. So we, we built on an extension instead. And then somebody said, would you be entitled to a grant for that? So we looked into that and we weren't uh, because 
because we were both working and over the, the amount of which we were entitled to, but we were told because of her disability being deafblind, there was a grant we would be able to get and it wouldn't be means tested. And when I saw what they were going to put us through for what was a very small grant, I remember thinking, oh, to hell, you know, I've battled the Russians to adopt her. I just didn't want to take on another battle. I just remember thinking, no, I can't do it. And we walked away from We said, no, we'll pay for it ourselves. And we took out the loan instead and, and, and did it that way. So I, I, I can sense, Michael, where you're coming from. And you could sense it in Brenda's voice as well. It's just like you get to the stage where you're just so exhausted. I can't do this. All my focus has to go into caring. I'm not fighting you over however much money. It's not going to be a huge amount anyway. I really, I'll just walk away. I would hate to think though, Michael, I would hate to think that it's deliberately done that way in order to get people to walk away. It would be soul destroying if somebody's come up with that plan. Eileen in Newmarket says, congratulations to Brenda. You are an inspiration. You looked stunning. So glad to hear that Fionn slept well last night. Long may that continue. Have a wonderful Christmas. Take a bow, Brenda and Trevor. And that is from Eileen in Newmarket. Thank you for that, uh, Eileen. Um, And then some of your WhatsApps in just to say what an amazing woman Brenda is looking after Fionn 24-7 and great to see her winning the award for Carer of the Year. And I thought, like so many others, that she looked stunning on the Late Late Show and she probably doesn't get a chance to go anywhere and glam up. And it must be such a cross to carry every day, but she does it without complaining. And for the love of her beautiful boy, Fionn. And that's uh, from Jim. And that's the one thing I have to say I thought of as well when I saw I saw her on Facebook uh, and it was like a gala award ceremony on the actual, I think it must have been on Friday afternoon, but it was kind of looked like black tie, beautiful black dress, you know, an evening dress. And she just looked gorgeous, the hair, the makeup, the lashes. And she set herself the fake tan and everything. And then, of course, obviously she's changed into a different dress then to go on to the late, late. And that actually went through my mind as well. I was thinking... When did she last do that? You know, there she is, a young woman, you know, with and she should be getting glammed up and having nights out for Christmas. But obviously she had to give up her job when Fionn was born and they realised that Fionn's needs were so, so complex. So she had to give up her job. So she doesn't have a Christmas party like a lot of other carers. There isn't a Christmas party for a work party for her to, to go to. So and she even said it herself, you know, all the pruning that she went through, what young people go through every single weekend. And, you know, when would she get to do that again? I don't know. But yeah, Jim, you're not the only one who had that thought pattern as well because uh, I, I did too but thank you for sending on that WhatsApp to 0862103103 and all the others who are just saying what an amazing an amazing woman she is and so well well uh, deserved Okay, 1853 Some reaction to Shane and the piece on the late, late that we mentioned earlier uh, when we got a text in from a listener that said who was appalled at Shane Lynch's outburst on the late, late. So one listener felt it, he was totally ignorant and that she actually felt sorry for the other members of the band and that he shouldn't have, he had the rant over the clip that they keep showing on the late, late. Well, some of your thoughts on that. Anne says... Hi, uh, Patricia. I think the RTE should put that clip to bed. It's now 25 years since that first, when they first appeared on The Late Late Show. And I also think poor Shane Lynch did have an awful ordeal trying to make it to the show in the first place. Those people that are cribbing about him should be more understanding. And I wonder how patient they would be if they had to go through the day he had to go through. And then he finally makes it into the studio and what? 
They show a clip from 25 years ago. Kind regards, says Anne, whose advice to RT is bin the clip, please. Dick from Aragland said, I'm with Shane Lynch 100%. And that Ryan Toberty, so full of himself. I find it hard to watch the show. He actually thinks he's a good interviewer, but then everyone has their own opinion, says Dick from Aragland, who also says to RT, bin the clip. And Michael in Castletown Roach says, uh, Patricia, he was just peed off because they didn't wait for him. I See, I missed it. I didn't see it live. I only saw the bit where he had the big rant. Um, but it looks like, they, did they start ahead without him or something? Was that, was that what happened? I know he had a nightmare. He missed two flights and traffic and all of uh, that. OK, so thank you for your commentary there. And on the crib, when we mentioned earlier that a listener was from Middleton was in Bandon and saw a lovely crib in the window of Bandon Credit Union and thought it was lovely and wondered... Do many other businesses do that? And I was wondering, do, are many other homes? Is, is a crib very much a part of your Christmas? Is, could you not have Christmas without putting up a crib? And is it something you do every year? Tim and Bandon says, Patricia, I put the crib up every single Christmas. I consider it the most important part of the Christmas festivities. I don't know how many others uh, would agree with, with Tim on that. But it's good to know that many people still see it as a very, very important part of Christmas is actually putting the crib uh, together. And then somebody, I don't know who this is, oh, Margaret, this is from Margaret, sent in lovely little pictures of a knitted crib. And this is the Donnerail Push for Christmas Market have this handmade, hand-knitted crib as the first prize in their raffle. All monies raised goes to the Donnerail Bottevent and Mallow First Responders Fantastic Charity. The market, the, Chris, the charity market is on the 8th and 9th of December. So yes, there are people who love cribs and they still form a very important part of Christmas. And there's a gorgeous picture. Somebody's lovely wooden crib has been made from what I can see from the pictures. Then all the little figurines are all handmade as Mary and Joseph. Mary's holding the baby Jesus. I think she's, is she holding the baby Jesus or is that the baby Jesus in the crib? And there's a little sheep and it looks like the I don't know if they're the, they're, they're the shepherds or the wise men in the background, but it's lovely. Little knitted crib. Although there's the wise men outside, yeah. That's gorgeous. That really is lovely. So if you go along to the Donnerail Push for Charity Market, it, I'm, and I, I assume that's going to be in Donnerail on the weekend of the 8th and 9th of December, there is a raffle of which you could win. That lovely little knitted uh, crib, which would be something you could treasure then for many, many more uh, years to come. And I I hold there's a lovely um, text in, Sheila. I'm not ignoring your text. I'll hold it, though, for Annalise, because it references Annalise is going to be joining us later later on in this hour. So I'll hold it uh, for that. Uh, And somebody wants to know about CBD oil. And if I can ask Annalise about it, actually, CBD oil, isn't it funny how it came up in the conversation that I had with Brenda? Because she's finding CBD oil so good for young Fionn. Somebody's wondering, is it good for arthritis? I'll ask Annalise uh, that when I have her on. And just one final text when we were talking about sulky racing earlier. And Mary said, you know, was holding up traffic. It was somewhere outside of Ballyhay. I don't know if it was on the Charleroi side or the Mallow side of Ballyhay at the weekend. And, you know, Mary's making the point out of Garda in sight. They seem to be a law unto themselves. Well, here's an interesting one. A listener says, road bowling. Road bowling, says a texter, is just as dangerous as sulky racing. All that's happening on the roads of West Cork. It's frightening when you come around a turn in the road to be confronted with people road bowling. To others, would others liken road bowling to the dangers, the, the dangers of sulky racing? 
somebody feels it's as dangerous. Your thoughts on that, please? 1850 333 103. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council. Supporting businesses, supporting communities, serving Cork. Visit corkcoco.ie. Irish Blood Transfusion Service, they've got a donor cl- clinic in the Middleton Park Hotel that is on today between 5pm and 8.30 this evening. Child of a Flower and Garden Club, they're hosting Helen Cusack from Limerick for their Christmas gala demonstration. That's on tonight, 8 o'clock in the Charleville Park Hotel. Tickets are €15 Euro with proceeds in aid of Pieta House and local charities. Shambhalimore Text Alert. They're holding their AGM and awareness meeting in the local community centre. That's on tonight at 8. Everybody encouraged to come along. And the next Women for Change workshop taking place in IRD Dohalo in Newmarket tonight between 7pm and 9.30pm. All women who are involved at local level are very welcome to attend. And the Travellers of North Cork Group are launching a bereavement pack with information on funeral services, legal information on wills, financial support. pack will be launched by the group tomorrow, Tuesday at 11am in the Mallow Mercy Centre. Cork Today with Breedhaven Nursing Home Mallow. It's family run, so your loved one will feel at home. See breedhaven.ie. C103. On a WhatsApp in to say, Hi Patricia, could you please announce that John Kenny's show, Crowman, advertised for Kilworth tonight, has been unavoidably cancelled. A new date will be announced shortly. However, the double bill involving the Palace players and the gunpowder produ- productions from Balancholic, that's going ahead in Kilworth on Thursday night at 8. Now, one of Ireland's most popular singers has just launched a charity Christmas single and travelled 2,000 kilometre round, or 20,000 kilometre round trip to record it. Tommy Fleming uh, joins me with more details. Good afternoon to you, Tommy. Good afternoon. I nearly said good morning. Uh, I know, yeah, it's gone past 12. We've got to be very, very... Because pre- I always get picked up if I say good morning. Nah, it's gone after 12. You have to say good afternoon. So good afternoon. I, yeah, well, see, but when, I, when I'm on the road at the weekend, it's kind of... I, I get my sleep in. So I, anyway, do you know what? It doesn't yeah. matter if it's It could be 3 12, o'clock in the it's afternoon it's and it's still morning. morning. <laughs> yeah, I know that feeling. Now, you went to Rwanda to record. <laughs> it's the Super Trump hit, uh, Give a Little Bit. T- talk to me about how, how all this came about. The whole thing came about, really, uh, Trish, with, um, when Niamh uh, Lilith came to me, Niamh McQueen, actually, came to me last year to see would I join the whole kind of campaign with Boher and become an ambassador and a patron, really. So I got on board with them, but I didn't want to get on board before I knew what they did and what they did on the ground. So off I went uh, to Rwanda, really, uh, went off on a trip with them and just to check, see what they did on the ground, see see the history of the whole thing and how the, how their charity works. And their charity is is amazing because it's not, <clears throat> I suppose, it's not the kind of the, the the typical charity thing of you have to give money. It's the money that you give to Bohr funds animals that goes to that go to Rwanda, that go to um, Eastern Europe, uh, east the different places. And that animal basically funds and feeds, not it feeds the, the the family, educates the family, the whole thing. It's just, it's it's quite it's quite surreal actually how how they operate. So I went to Rwanda to get on the ground and see what they did, and um, I, I've kind of become really kind of really involved with them over the last um, six months. And it, basically, recording the single was to bring. 
it's not to raise money because I mean obviously everybody knows like selling singles doesn't really make money anymore but it's, it's more awareness raise, it's, to, it's to raise awareness yeah raise, yeah and, and it's, it's you know and, and, and like bohers you know, it's kind of the principle you know mm-hmm. you, you give a man a fish and you feed him for a day but you teach him to fish and you feed him for life because that's what the, the gift of the animal does but I've often and I've always thought they were a fantastic charity how does the animal get on in Rwanda? Do you know something? They're, they're treated better than people. <laughs> and honestly. Because yeah. that would have been my biggest concern as as anybody that would know me and you'd know me. Now from, yeah. You know what I mean? That, you know, animal welfare is a huge thing with me and a big, I'm, I'm a huge animal lover, vegetarian for life, you know, the whole thing. And I, I, I was, my biggest worry was like, I'd be standing there going, that cow's not looked after, that goat's not looked after, or what it may be. But do you know what? It's like, they go out, they, most of their day is spent going out to the fields, cutting what they call, um, you know, the the, 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 the uh, tall grass, I can never remember the name of it, but they cut all of that for the day and they bring in, and the cow is fed, just standing there like a like a regal animal, yeah. been fed for the day and the, the animals are treated amazingly. Brilliant, They're just treated brilliant. brilliantly. And, and by all accounts, because I know I looked into this before, they, they enjoy the climate. They don't well, miss the Irish wet, soft day or anything. Well, you, you have to remember that the climate in Rwanda is, the same all year round. So it's at a constant 26, 27 degrees, which is not too hot. Yeah. Maybe it's hot for here, but it's not too hot. But the animals are left, they're sheltered all the time. They're not, okay. they're not out in, in, the, in the blistering sun. You know what I mean? So they're, you know, the, the, the animal is, but not only is the animal food, this is the other thing as well, Patricia, that not only are they, they the cow provides milk and the cow provides income in that by selling the milk the animal is company because most of the people that get the the, the animal are they're the genocide widows um from the genocide of 94 yeah. their fam- most of their families have been wiped out and if you've seen how they treat the the, the animals the, 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 it's like having it's like having a pet genuinely it's just it's amazing yeah, because of course we remember Rwanda, the genocide in 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 nineteen ninety four. How are how are they recovering from the genocide? Oh God, it's to me it's a melting pot. It really is. is. It? It's like you have to remember Rwanda is the size of Connacht. It's smaller actually, just a little bit smaller, and it's got uh, fourteen million people, and it would have had an awful lot more because one million of them were wiped out in less than three months, and not one bullet was used in the in that killing spree. So. Think about that for one minute, and it's it was just it, it, how they recovered. And I honestly don't know because I don't know if we could do it. Um, God forbid if something like that ever happened here. Um, the, uh, to me, the, uh, to me, there wouldn't be forgiveness, and I can honestly say that because they have to live with the person that could have wiped out three or four of their family. You know, they have to live next door to them because they haven't, they didn't have the the where for all or the capacity or the the system in place to jail the people that did this, that, that inflicted this genocide. So they had to find another way around it, which was um, forgiveness and reconciliation. And they had to they had to forgive the person that did this to their family. That's incredible. That's incredible. So anything that can be done uh, to help those people and Boher uh, there at the cold face of it, uh, doing it, which is which is brilliant. And of course, you've. You went out with go- you went somewhere with go- was it Sudan with gold? Sudan. I worked in Sudan. For, yeah. I lived in Sudan and Kenya for four months. Uh, you went gold. for you went for a month and stayed for four. I went for three weeks. Yeah, three, yeah I remember that. Yeah, yeah. 
I ended up staying. It was actually it was two thousand and one. It was um, it was the day before nine eleven. I arrived in Kenya, and that kind of that kind of got me involved in the whole. Um, and I hate to call it charity because it just sounds like it's. Yeah, you know, I always say it, the word charity sounds like it's there's somebody just sitting on the street with their hand out. You know, um, it's it, it, Bohor is not a charity. It's um, it, 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 it's 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 a means to an end for people. If you know what I mean. Yeah. It's it's just it's what they do is brilliant. It's just I just and I from I come from an agricultural background. I come from a farm. I grew up on one and. To be able to be in the middle of that is quite is quite surreal. And you met some of the you took time out to meet some of the Irish farmers who donated an animal. I did, yeah. I would see how I wanted to do it was to see it from it's almost like from from farm to plate, nearly. Do you know what I mean? Like, but how, how I wanted to really see it was from where the animal ghost comes from, like as a calf, to and then it arrives in Rwanda. And the, do you know what the biggest, but the great thing about all of this is the the, the the heifer cow goes out and she's in calf, and when she when she has that calf, if it's a, if it's another heifer, what they call the POWs, pass or the POG, the pa- passing on the gift, and they give they, they pass on the gift of that heifer calf to the family, we'll say down the road, who needs it. Yeah. So it's not another calf coming out from. And then the cycle, from, the cycle goes on. The cycle goes on. So yeah, it's do you ever remember that film, um, Paying It Forward? Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. exactly what the what yeah. it is. And if it's a bull calf, the calf is sold, and they make more over there for a bull calf than they make here. Was that? Yeah, it's yeah. it's quite it's it's brilliant to see how it operates, and uh, you know that that this one cow, this one cow, actually. Gives these people, give, gives these people a life, gives these people a living, gives these pe- people uh, just just hope. I suppose that's the word. They, it gives them hope. Okay, and boher.ie if people want to check it out because they do great stuff with Christmas with with uh, Christmas gifts. Uh, I always think they're they're lovely, lovely uh, Christmas presents. When are you coming to Charleville? Coming to Charleville on Sunday night, next Sunday night. Is it next? Oh, it's next weekend. Next Sunday weekend, night. Yeah. Okay, and are there there's some tickets still available. Some tickets still available. Okay. Um, we've kind of started the the Voice of Hope tour, the two tour. It's not Voice of the first Voice of Hope we did was in fifteen years ago. So we put the second one together for uh, in Galway last September, and we've released it there t- three weeks ago. So um, we're we're on the road again. I'm always up the road. Um, Is there a Christmas feel to it to the um, show? I'm yeah. off. I'm off. Um, I finish on the fifteenth of December, and then I get back into the, on on the road in January around the seventeenth of January. Uh, as always, we'd start in Clonmel. Yeah, and then we um, we make it to Cork on the eighth and ninth of. February for our annual pilgrimage to the opera house. That's the big one in the opera yeah, house. Okay, but a, but a chance to see you this side of Christmas next Sunday night in Charleville Park in Hotel. Charleville Park, Tickets yeah. available at the door at the at the hotel, the reception. At the hotel yeah. and from TommyFleming.com and from Ticketmaster. Okay. So it's there's, there's a few outlets. You okay. Know? If we don't see you before Christmas, have a great one, Tommy, and uh, well done on what you're doing for Bohor. It's terrific. That's Thanks a million. Okay, God bless. Thanks a million bye bye, for bye, bye. always and the support. No problem. Thank you for that. That's uh, our own uh, Tommy Fleming. 1850-333-103. John Paul taking your calls. You can text her WhatsApp 0862 103 103. This is the Court Today replay on C103.
We're going to the Health Hub Times Square in Valencolic, where I'm joined by Annalise Dressel. Good afternoon to you, Annalise. Good afternoon. Patricia. And I want to start with a lovely text that came in early this morning from Sheila. And as it's referencing you, I said I'd hold the text until you were on with me. It says, hi, Trish. I just want to share something with the world, all of you listeners. Thanks to your show and Annalise Dressel, the health lady. It's a lovely way of describing you. Uh, for ages, I suffer from anxiety and restless legs at night. I've been on beta blockers for a couple of years, but hate taking drugs. After hearing Annalise on your show one day, I went and got some magnesium tablets. And by day two, honest to God, I was cured. I am no longer on beta blockers. I've been sleeping soundly for nearly two weeks now. No groggy feeling in the morning. Thanks again for all of the information. I'd never known about it if it wasn't for Annalise talking about it and I'd still be suffering. Isn't that great? Oh, that's lovely. Isn't hear. that a great result? It is a great result, but Patricia, sometimes it is that simple, really and truly. And there's more and more people now being put on beta blockers because more and more people are going for these stress tests and the stress tests are showing up that maybe there's a skipped heartbeat every now and then. So people are put on these beta blockers for that reason, and they end up having horrible side effects um, from the beta blocker itself. Now, these people would never have known that they had an irregular or a skipped heartbeat unless they went for the stress test, because it would have been something that they would have lived their whole lives healthily without. But once the doctors find us, they have to medicate. Yeah. So um, yeah. sometimes it is as simple as just magnesium. magnesium. Yeah. OK, well, well done. And continue good health to you, uh, Sheila. And then we were talking earlier with uh, young Brenda, who is the carer of the year, and she was talking about her son and the, the great results they're having from uh, CBD uh, oil. And Pat had sent in a question saying, would you ask Annalise, is CBD oil good for arthritis? What's the best brand? How long does it take to see the effect? And he was also wondering, if you do start taking CBD oil, uh, is it legal if you're tested for drugs by the traffic Yep, it is legal. Um, They've removed the compound THC in the breeding of this type of cannabis. So there's loads of different types of hemp. Some of it form hemp oil, which we use for salads. Some of the hemp we make into clothing. Um, Some of the cannabis they grow for people to get high. And this particular cannabis has been bred to have all of the anti-inflammatory compounds, but minus the compound that you get high with. So it is safe to drive after taking it. Nothing at all will show up. You couldn't possibly get high, even if you took the whole bottle, which I'm sick of telling the young lads coming into the shop that it's not, you're not going to get high. Don't waste your money. Okay, and good for arthritis? So yes and no is the answer to that. It's a bit mixed, the feedback that I'm getting. On the whole, I'd have to say people are benefiting from it, but not everybody. Now, I've had massive success um, with it for anxiety and for stress and for poor sleep that's stress-related or anxiety-related. That seems to be amazing. I'm always, sometimes even after three or four days, people come in and they tell me they've already noticed a huge improvement. Arthritis, I think, takes a bit longer because it works as an anti-inflammatory, but then, of course, your, your joints have to help build themselves again. So it does take time. And I think one of the problems is that people are looking for an instant fix. Maybe they don't take a high enough dose because everybody is very different. So one person might take a certain amount and that'll benefit them and somebody might need three times that amount to get the benefit. So I think the two reasons that it mightn't work for a lot of people is that they don't take the right dose for themselves and they don't give it long enough to work. But it's safe to take um, with most medications. John Paul had a question from um, a regular listener 
to say, is it safe with blood pressure, medication, diabetes, medication, etc. And it is generally safe with nearly all medications. But if you're not sure, take it into your local health shop, take your list of meds and get them to look over your medications. The only thing I would say is don't take it at the same time as your medication because you need to give your medication the time to work its way through your liver on its own without being interfered with. And is it expensive? It is expensive. Um, Now, there's different brands on the market. The one that I have, Patricia, I have chosen after stocking a few different brands. And it's called um, Cannabidiol, C-A-N-N-A-B-I-D-O-L. And it is... um, The reason I chose this is because the company that make it, they're externally evaluated. They list everything that's in the product. It's tested to make sure that what they say is in the product is in the product. And the feedback that I've been getting from my longer-term customers that were taking other brands is that this one seems um, seems to be um, working much better. Sorry, I gave the wrong name, Patricia. It's actually called Cannabi Gold, C-A-N-N-A-B-I Gold, G-O-L-D. Um, the cat, the other one I actually had before, but this this seems to be working much better from people. The feedback is better. They don't need to use as much of it. So you can buy it for as little as 30 euros and that could last 50 days. Um, but it, as you get stronger, as you go up the strength, you could pay up to 100 euros for it. But and how is it administered? So it um, comes in a little bottle with a pump and you literally just, um, you put a drop under your tongue. It's best to take it under the tongue because the absorption is much better there. If you swallow a capsule down into the stomach, you mightn't absorb that much. It might only be 10, 20%. Whereas if you put it under the tongue and don't drink anything for a while, you could get up to 60, 70% absorption. The other thing some people are doing as well is uh, vaping it, Patricia. Mm. I've looked into that and I've researched it and I just think that the heating and the vaping of it actually changes the chemical structure and I don't think it's, I don't think it's safe. Um, and I don't think that you get the actual true product into the system. I think it's altered by the very fact of heating it and putting it through a vapour. So I wouldn't recommend that generally either. How are doctors reacting to it? Some doctors, I suppose it's very much a bit how open are doctors to all of these things. Some doctors are saying fantastic. Um, you know, if you're, if you're getting a good result, stick with it. It's great. Some think it's a complete placebo. Um, sure, our own Taoiseach... Um, Leo Varadkar said last week in the Doyle that this is all nothing but snake oil, that it doesn't actually work at all. It's all in our heads that it works. So a lot of doctors would have that attitude that unless it's a pharmaceutical drug, it's not working. But actually, medical cannabis is used as a pharmaceutical drug very successfully for cancer and pain management in other countries. So there are studies there that show the benefits of it. Um, And I don't think it's all in people's heads. Certainly when it comes to um, you know, young children that suffer from epilepsy, I, I think that they couldn't possibly be getting a placebo effect. Because they wouldn't, the they wouldn't know what a placebo was. Know. Yeah, no. yeah, yeah. because yeah, uh, Brenda, who's the carer of the year, was talking about her young son who was on some horrible drugs with horrible side effects. And with the CBD oil, she's been able to wean him off a lot of the really severe medication he was on. Yeah, I definitely, I would believe it, Patricia, because I have carers myself that come in um, for the cannabis oil for their own um, their own clients. There's a lot of people with MS and Parkinson's taking it. People are taking it for pain management. People who are undergoing chemo are taking it for pain and nausea management. I was taking it myself. I felt it was great for um, 
aches and pains and um, and slight anxiety around menopausal symptoms. Um, it definitely worked brilliantly for me. The one that blows me away the most, though, I think, is people who take it for anxiety because, honestly, within three or four days, Patricia, some people are getting a benefit and some people don't get any benefit at all. Um, and that's always going to be the way with natural medicine. It's always going to be the way with pharmaceutical medication. Some people will benefit from a drug or a natural drug and some people won't. But the thing about the natural medicine is that there's no side effects. Mm. For the best part now, I shouldn't say that because obviously there's everything in the wrong amounts will have a side effect. But, you know, something like cannabis oil that can be taken alongside most medications should be of great benefit and should be incorporated so that people can get it on their medical cards. And this big campaign to get the government to put the legislation through to legalise it. Now, that is a different one. That's the medical marijuana with the cannabis and the THC in it, the hallucinatory bit. So that probably would even have more benefits again, Patricia, for the anti-nausea specifically. So there'd be a huge amount of people would take it for that. Now, I mean, look, for people as well that smoke cannabis, you know, they get a huge amount of relaxation from it. Um, they get lots of other benefits from it. I think if you're an adult, you should be allowed to do that if you want to. I do think we need to be careful of our young people because I think that they're still, you know, and especially now the cannabis that they breed has a lot of, like the skunk stuff, there's a lot of hallucinatory compounds in the cannabis that's being sold as a recreational drug. And we have to be very careful of those. But if it was medical marijuana that people could trust the source yeah, and there was none of those different. hallucinogenics in it, I think it should be allowed. Yeah, OK. Uh, we were going to discuss a completely different topic. Well, we'll hold off on that topic until next week as we spent the whole time uh, discussing uh, CBD oil. Um, and I can see lots of people uh, delighted with the information. So we'll leave it there, Annalise, and we'll chat again next Monday. Thanks, Patricia. OK, thanks for joining us. That is Annalise Drissel of the Health Hub Times Square in Ballancolic, who does sell that uh, CBD uh, oil. Some of your comments um, um, and just on a couple of different issues. On the crib, we mentioned the crib earlier on and people wondering, do people still put cribs up? Um, Annette in Inishannon uh, says, I wonder, do people still visit the crib in the church at Christmas time anymore and when they do do they take a piece of the straw and keep it in the house until the following year does anybody else still still do that I can put my hand up and say I do and I keep I, I don't put it in I keep it in my wallet my purse I take a piece of every year take a piece of straw from the crib and then I get rid of the one from the year before and I replace it and I've been doing that for absolute uh, years uh, do other people do it and bring it home I don't know I certainly I just keep it in that's, that's what I do with it and uh, Mary in Carrick Tool says hi Patricia I put up my crib every year first decoration to go up but I wait to put baby Jesus in the crib until Christmas morning as that's the day he was born that's the tradition in our house thank you for that Mary and Rose from Drummahan says Patricia can I say what a lovely night I had at the Castle Magnus Players production of Big Maggie last night it was great night's entertainment with an excellent cast in a most striking and detailed set it brought me back to a time when powerful women ruled the roost and their lives were dictated by the times they lived in. Congratulations to all involved. A credit to Castle Magner Parish and that's from Rose in Drumahan. My apologies, a lot of texts and WhatsApps came in in the last hour. We didn't get to all of them. I promise you each and every one of them will be read off air and we'll bring the best of them uh, tomorrow on the programme. But that's where I leave you for today. Thanks to John Paul McNamara for producing. Nick is with you for the afternoon and we're back with you tomorrow morning at 10 o'clock. Court today with Breedhaven Nursing.
nursing home Mallow. It's family run, so your loved one will feel at home. See breedhaven.ie. C103.